Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to episode 182 of Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. I am your co-host, Mark Blankenship, joined... I, I, let's pretend like it's the, for the first time ever by my spectacular co-host, Sarah D. Bunting. Hello, Sarah. <laughs> Who is this? <laughs> what, what's <laughs> happening? Where are we? What day is How it? did you get in my house? Where did this <laughs> microphone come from? <laughs> um, before, before we get started today, we wanted to say we hope that everyone out there is doing okay in this time of coronavirus-related crisis. We also wanted to say that if you have it in your capacity to join us as a patron of this podcast, we would so deeply appreciate it, as Sarah and I have both seen our incomes decimated by the effects of coronavirus on the industries in which we work. We love making this show. We love bringing it to you. We love the community that we get to be part of with you in making it. And of course, we're going to keep making this show no matter what. But if you do have the ability to join us as a patron at any level at Patreon, we would deeply appreciate it. That's patreon.com slash Mastis. Uh, not only will you get access to exclusive content that is just for subscribers or patrons, you will also be able to vote in our ranking episodes, and you will be able to join us for what look to be our soon-to-be weekly live stream happy hour conversations. We've had one already. It was so much fun that we're going to keep doing them. Uh, so again, we'd love to have you. Patreon.com slash Mastis. Now, if you can't uh, become a patron of this podcast, we completely get it, and we, of course, are going to keep making the show, and we still would love to have you keep listening. Uh, and if you can, that would be awesome, too. Uh, without further ado, though, I think it's time now to talk about the song that Sarah brought to the table today. So, Sarah, what did you choose? We'll be talking about a single from the band The Stills, who are from Montreal, Uh I think they no longer exist when they did. Uh, they made a wonderful album that was recommended to me by friend of the podcast, Mike Dunn. It's called Changes Are No Good. Um, I Well, I think that the name of the album was something like uh, Logic Will Break Your Heart. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yes. Which, <laughs> what what better time to talk about a song from an album uh, with that title? Uh it occurred to me as I was looking at the whole album um, that they have a song called Alison Krauss, and I guess we should have talked about Are that. Are you kidding but I don't me? Love the song, and but also still, the wrong. yeah. Uh, maybe I'll use it as the outro. Who can say uh, what will happen? <laughs> A mere 15 minutes from now. Uh, I will also note that this was put on a, I'm going to say mix a CD at the end of 2003 um, by Mr. Dunn. And I am positive that it is in this house somewhere. I don't think I would have just thrown it out. I could not find it, but I did find the mixtape that I was talking about last time in the Weezer episode made for me by my brother. Um, and printed out, I believe he used Comic Sans font. Oh, Dave. Um, it was 94. The, there's two Weezer songs on there, and neither of them is My Name is Jonas. So, Whoa. memory is a funny thing. Um, 
So this uh, bulletin from the Department of Corrections uh, apologizes for the error. Um, and the error of a mixtape made over a quarter of a century ago. Uh, yeah. Um, and I did dig up my, like, Walkman convert USB converter duha so that I can try to convert it and put it onto uh, into MP3s. And if anyone is interested in the rest of this uh, mix, Mark, I don't think you're going to care for it because there's a shit ton of Beatles on it. But oof, let's, oof, let's uh... see if I have time to do that. And I will happily share that with all of y'all if I'm able to make it happen. First, though, let us listen to a clip of the stills That's the opening of the song. Uh, That guitar line grabbed me right away. There's something that sort of reaches back through time about that opener um, back to a kind of early to mid 80s, Johnny Marr, indie rock sound. But the like lyrically, this is also sort of a very specific um, rock persona, I feel, of the early aughts that um like it's that guy that you had a huge crush on and he wore some eyeliner to school and you were like well i mean maybe he goes my way this could apply to both of us i guess um (laughs) yes you sort of like mustered up all your courage and called him on your landline telephone and tried to ask him to a dance at your girl's school and he told you regretfully that he was bi which you accepted and then he immediately started going out with your best friend from sunday school he's that guy and i feel like there <laughs> who was, was a whole who was a girl <laughs> yes <laughs> genre yes of um indie uh of like indie lead singer like i'm so depressed i'm such a fake like whole albums about imposter syndrome this is not yes. shade. I just feel like that's where this comes from. Um, but I've always loved this song. This is a good song to play kind of on long drives when the sun is coming out after you've been sort of battling driving in the rain for um, like a whole morning. Uh, and I forget why. I think we. I think Mike and I actually saw the stills and then he put this on a... On a mix for me, I don't I don't remember. Mike used to have this newsletter called Shows of Note, and I have been nagging him to restart it for like 10 years. 
Here, here's me doing that again. Mark, had you heard this song or this band before? And what did you think of Changes Are No Good? I had never heard of The Stills before. And when I first saw in our shared document the name of the band, I kept seeing it as The Chills for some reason. Uh-huh. Maybe it's because I got some sort of stomach virus earlier this week. Who can say? But uh, <laughs> then I finally clocked, no, it's The Stills. And I certainly never heard this song before. And here's the journey that I went on with this song. I listened to it three times in a row. First time, this is fine. Second time, this is fine. Third time, oh shit, this song is great. So I don't know why. I don't know why it took me. Th- I don't know why it took me three trips around the sun to really latch on to this song. But I really, really like it. And, and that's not usually your journey with these things. I don't feel like. Is it? Yeah, I is, typically know. I typically know of your. Yeah. I typically know right away if I like something or not, or at least I I can see like, oh, this is something I want to explore further. If you had not asked me to listen to this song for our show and I had heard it once, I don't think I would have uh, remembered it to listen to it again. So I'm so glad that I was required by law to really pay attention to this song because when I finally got into it, I really connected not only to the beauty of the music, which is so lush and dense in that again like you said early 80s uh johnny marr way there's just so much happening and it's all driven by that guitar line it's very nice to get wrapped up in that like a big musical blanket but i also find in these lyrics a certain amount of humor that to me makes me really enjoy the imposter syndrome subject matter because for instance in the second verse he says uh, I try to act adult, but like a Walkman, fall to pieces, all parts, no heart. Like, that's like, that image in a literal way doesn't make sense. The, it, the, the metaphor doesn't scan because a Walkman doesn't have a heart. But if you ever had a Walkman and you ever dropped that Walkman on the sidewalk when you were trying to get from the school bus to your classroom. And your heart you, dropped through your knees because you're like, yeah. oh, no. Yeah. And you've seen how many pieces of a plastic Walkman can go skittering off into the bushes. And it just, there's something like so specific and charming about that image. And then in the, a later verse in the song, he says, uh, I'm on a roll, but I might throw up. Will I ruin my makeup? And Sarah, you took the words out of my mouth about the possibly by lead singer syndrome. Cause I was like, Oh wait, is he maybe gay? Do I have a chance? Is he a I, I went kid? through Yeah, exactly. And I was just totally uh ensorcelled by that moment too. So for me, this ended up being a real find. Um it makes me think about the band Incubus, whose lead singer in the early aughts was also exactly this guy that you described. But this is like Incubus with more melodic lushness, uh, and um I really, really like it. It's strange to revisit this time, like, orally. I, I feel like the stills were this um, mostly, perhaps, unseen link between, like, the strokes or, like, I was more of a hives and vines person, but the strokes mm-hmm. are, you know, great legendary band. And, like, arcade fire towards the end of the decade that they're this... Um, yeah, and, like... um Band of Horses is another mm-hmm. band that really has a similar sound. And there's this um, 
here comes the Wordsworth reference, um, that sort of capital R romantic concept of intense emotion recollected in tranquility. This is the like Quebecois, like when you find out that they're Canadian, there's something about this particular rendition of what I feel is adolescent angst recollected in tranquility that there's an extra layer of um, frozen North reserve added over it that the guitars are very intense but then the tale that the lyrics tell is very dry and i don't mean dry in like the dull sense but dry in the like this is not sentimental there is no bathos so yeah it's it's an interesting song it's an interesting song to talk about and pull apart to the way that we usually do it because it's one of those um, egg songs that, like, it's it's perfectly formed, basically, as it is. I mm-hmm. could quibble with the length. I feel like maybe the last, like, you could probably lose 30 seconds off it, but I won't because I like the song a lot. Yeah, and I, I think it also was not surprising to me when I was reading the band's Wikipedia page, and they did, in fact, break up in 2011, um, that they have gone on to work with members of broken social scene mm-hmm. because of course they have because yeah. they're in Canada and they make music like this. It's actually legally required that they work with members of broken social scene. Yeah. I, I think that's true. <laughs> and you know, I think that um, the, I was thinking about this song in comparison to something that might be considered more straightforward emo, like dashboard confessional or whatever. Because mm-hmm. there is certainly a quality of emo songwriting here where they're being so straightforward about their feeling that they're just big fakes. But I just found that I was thinking about why do I like this and not most emo music. And it's because, like you said, there is that sense of reflection and remove from the adolescent angst as opposed to the living inside of it at this moment. And... uh I, I'm not that I'm opposed to hearing songs that are actively engaged with pain because, oh my God, of course I am into that type of music. But there's just something here about, um, it's like the way that they're expressing it shows that they've had enough time to think about it with some sort of intelligence. And I just think that that shows a level of maturity that makes me much more interested in what's going on. Whereas sometimes with an emo song, it seems like all they had the strength to do was to just <laughs> scream scream with guitars until they got it all out which is perfectly valid uh well but, also that, that is still happening like it, they are still in that timeline with the pain yes and and that's okay i just feel like this approach is going to be for me more uh of a thumbs up i yeah i agree um well and it it, it depends it depends on where you are in any given day of your pandemic social distancing i guess but um i i'm thinking as we're talking about this that i wonder if there's not a difference on the consumer side between um emo or indie um imposter syndrome pain anthems this is not Mm. a thing but (laughs) let's go with it that are lyrics driven versus um guitar driven or instrument driven. Uh, I think you're right. This is a song that doesn't sound like an emotional uh volcano, 
but the lyrics are an emotional volcano. And I, I think I am not that drawn to a, a song like Blue October's Hate Me, for instance. I'm just thinking of it right now, where it's just like loud and screaming. And like, I, that's not how I want to musically encounter the emotion. I want to encounter it lyrically more than I want to encounter it musically. It, yeah, for sure. But at the same time, I think there's an argument to be made that this was written like that these lyrics were um came after the music mm. versus mm. the music was written to go around these lyrics. I you mm. know, I don't I confess that I don't understand how these processes get married together, particularly in a band environment. Like for a singer songwriter, I think it's like um, difficult enough um, because I would be so much on the lyric side and not really able to speak the language of music effectively to like, you know, have both halves of the that brain working. Right. So I like I really don't know. This is one of those times where we should, speaking of my brother, get him to guest on this and be like, "This is how this occurs." I well, I would imagine to too that everybody's and it was not a success. <laughs> but yeah, uh, one wonders if they didn't have this. They had these lyrics and they had this music, and they're like, "Do these, by not exactly going together, actually go together quite well?" I don't know. Ooh, an ongoing sense of uh, an ongoing topic of contention on this podcast. Does the song have to sound like the lyrical content? Yeah, I don't. Would you say that that's contentious, or just well? I'm we still not about? over the fact that you didn't like Diane by Cam. That's basically what I'm saying. <laughs> that was it's been three years. Two. It seriously was episode no, two. no. No, that was Mayday by Cam, and you did like that. Yes, one. But then you're later. Right. But then later when we talked about Diane, you were like, this song sounds too peppy for the heartbreak that it is about. Well, and uh, I think somehow in my mind. That's issue for me. That's, but that's I think the fascinating but, thing. Like, I don't think they always have yeah. to match. But when they don't, why doesn't it work? That's, also, see, that, that that's, episode I, happened in like the 1800s. And I would have to re-listen to it and review my arguments, which may have been bullshit. They usually are. <laughs> I think it's just... I think that whatever for whatever reason, I just decided that day that that's how you feel always, and I've just never let it go. <laughs> yeah, trapped in amber, camber, I guess. Oh, camber. Yeah. Anyway, but you're right. It actually is interesting to see how songs hit us at any given moment, and when it is and isn't problematic for us, when the lyrics and the music don't seem to emotionally match. Um, but yeah, point being though, in this case, they matched up really well. I would also say, just going back, I would assume that everybody's songwriting process is different. Like I, I, you know, you read like sometimes the lyrics come first, sometimes the music comes first, sometimes it all seems to just spill out at once. Oh, if you haven't had a chance to read it, the fabulous New Yorker profile on Fiona Apple. (laughs) I'm sure I was just about to say, (laughs) yeah, Fiona Apple is just like singing shit into her phone and she keeps singing until she's done and then she clicks two rocks together and then she smokes some pot. Yeah, she invites over three friends, they scream at each other and cry, they make up, they go to sleep on a futon, and then they get up and they walk around shaking uh, bags full of a cat's ashes, and then that becomes this incredible album. <laughs> like, literally. I mean, I think it actually may have been a pit bull skull, but still. 
I mean, yeah, that, still... but that, yes, that article will, um, link, well, I'll try to remember to link it in the show notes, but it is so good, especially on the topic of how the music business and the celebrity business just like flatten and digest people, including her. Yes. When you add that to the article that just came out, I think yesterday on as we record this about Sinead O'Connor in the Washington oh, Post. Yes, I tweeted it. You can follow us at we, Talk Songs on Twitter. So good. Your tweet is the reason that I saw it, in fact. But oh my God, those two articles together are just must reads for anyone who wants to think about being, uh, uh, think about strong women from 90s music. Yes, indeed. Um, the stills are not from the 90s and they're not women. But no, even though they might wear makeup, apparently, which we like. Yeah, indeed. But they, um, they like the two women we just referenced, uh, tap into something elemental, um, in almost in spite of that, that uh, Canadian remove, um, and yeah, sort of dry reserve. So yeah, I'm glad that you liked this song, and it's again, I'm sort of struck by. That you listened to it three times and that the third time was the charm for you. Like, that's much more of a sort of Sarah process towards, like, <laughs> journey towards a song than, than it is. But we live in a topsy-turvy times. Yeah. I'm just honestly really glad to have heard this. And it's one of the benefits of this show is that sometimes you'll bring in a song that I've never heard before. And then I get the treat of discovering that I like it. Indeed. Well, thank you so much, listeners, for listening, for supporting us, if that's something you're able to do and choose to do. And uh, don't forget that, again, Mastappy Hour, Thursdays for patrons. We would love to see you and uh, stay safe out there. and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship and Sarah D. Bunting and edited by Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. Need to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet us at talksongs, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mastass.podcast. To become a supporter and producer of the podcast, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mastass. And as always, thank you for listening.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.